Would you pray with me? Loving God, we celebrate the hope that we have in Jesus. We are confronted by death. We are confronted by suffering. We are confronted by your love. Open our hearts, Lord. Teach us afresh. And may your truth burn within us, O God. Embrace us with your love. May we embrace you in return. May all things be made new. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning and welcome to New Hope. My name is Alan, and I serve the church as the senior pastor. I want this morning to uh, explore a wonderful Bible story together with you. I'm going to do this in two parts. We'll talk about part of the story today and save part of the story for Sunday. It's a story about two of Jesus' disciples who witnessed all of these things when they happened in history. They witnessed the death of Jesus on the cross and were present with Jesus' followers and discussed these things and wrestled with these things. And then they heard about the empty tomb and they left Jerusalem on Sunday night and walked home, talking about all of this that we are recognizing and celebrating and engaging in this Passion Week. And as they walked, a stranger came alongside of them. A stranger to them, but to us who read the story and are given the insight, this stranger is Jesus himself. But the disciples are unable, these two who are walking along the road, to, to realize who he is. They're, they're their eyes have been closed, the text says. They're not allowed to recognize him in order that they can really see him. Sometimes relationships are like that. To really see people around us, we have to get over what we think we know. We have to get past what we have already decided. And sometimes it isn't until we are blinded to some things that we can see other things. It isn't until we see somebody in a whole new way that we even know who they are. And that's what's happening in this passage. Jesus hides from them what would be immediately apparent so that he can show to them what they haven't yet seen. I love serving the church of Jesus Christ. I love being the pastor of this church. I love Jesus Christ. And he is the reason that I come this morning, that I want to worship on a Good Friday, because my heart burns within me when I think about what this story means and what this cross that glows behind me means. These two disciples are walking along the road. They're discussing it all. They... they, 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 they they don't have the history we have. They don't have the understanding yet. They're about to get some understanding. And as they discuss, this stranger appears, and he asks them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there these days? Where have you been, man? How could you not know? 
How could you not be up? Have you, never, have you not read a newspaper? Have you not paid any attention to any of the social media? Don't you know what's burning in Paris? Are you completely unaware? Like, they can't believe that he doesn't know. What's so ironic is as they say to him, are you the only one who doesn't know? He's actually the only one who does know what just happened. He's the only one who really does know all of what happened and what it means and prof how profound it is. And this is the truth of God. He knows what we will never know. He knows and loves in ways that are so beyond our understanding and our capacities. And it is best to let God be full of mystery than to try to sort him out and put him in a package and think we have understood him. There is so much wonder and so much marvel. What things, Jesus asked them, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests, say these two disciples, as they debrief with the incognito Jesus on the road, the chief priests and our rulers, handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What do you do when God disappoints you? What do you do when things don't make sense? What do you do when your world is upside down and inside out and you don't know how to take the next step? What do you do when it just doesn't make sense? So this incognito stranger replies, how foolish you are and how slow to believe. All that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And so for the next several kilometers as they walk along the 7K journey from, uh, from Jerusalem to uh, Emmaus where they live, Jesus talks to them about the things that they have witnessed in a way that begins to unpack. He opens up the truth to them, helps them to see and to discern, and something starts to move. That is my passion for every one of us this morning, that we would, we would experience the cross with all of its meaning, and that we would be moved and something would shift and our lives would find a new kind of hopefulness and, and, and a new mysterious sense of being embraced by God's love. As they unpacked all of this from the scriptures, they began to understand that the cross actually has a message that is amazing. The cross tells us two incredible things, that God is with us and God is for us. When you can't figure it out, God is with you and God is for you. When you're having a good season, God is with you and God is for you. When you are having a very troubled season, God is with you and God is for you. And so they talk with Jesus. Eventually, they go home and have some food with Jesus. Eventually, the bit that we'll get to on Sunday, 
Some amazing things happen as the story unfolds and they figure out who he is. And then they turn to each other and they say, Did not our hearts burn within us as he walked with us in the road and opened the scriptures to us? And that's the experience that I have prayed for every one of us today. That our hearts would burn within us. The cross is full of mystery. It is full of wonder. It is the story of a man who is so compassionate and so kind and he does such incredible things and serves people in such an amazing way. Being misunderstood and getting caught in the politics of his era and being crucified. But this story has profound cosmic meaning as it gets unpacked. And this is what Jesus is explaining to the disciples. If you go all the way back, you will see that this is not an accident. This is what had to happen. And this is the way God loves us. He is present with us and he is for us always. Here's an an important thing to take with you today. God is not Zeus and Zeus is not God. One of the great complications of religion is that God understood as power sitting on a mountain can really, really disappoint you. Absolutely. Why does an all-powerful God who is positioned to do good things, if he is in fact full of love, not fix our problems? Why doesn't God make things better? Why does God allow evil in the world? It's the quintessential question, and it's enough to make you an atheist if you drive down that path and stay with that thinking. The Bible is very aware of this question, but it never answers it, won't answer it. Frustrating. There's a 42-chapter book in the Bible where a fellow in deep pain keeps asking this question, and it just doesn't get an answer. And philosophy can't find an answer, and religion doesn't find satisfactory answers, and theology pursues it. It's a good question. It is a good question. It just doesn't get a satisfactory answer, or at least one that satisfies enough of us enough of the time to be confident. But there is another question which the Bible does answer, and it's actually a more interesting question. As people have often noticed, the question, why does God allow evil, is usually asked by those of us outside looking in. When you are in the midst of deep pain, the more likely question is, where is God? Where are you, God? I can't see you, I can't find you, I can't feel you, I can't experience you. And that question has an answer at Calvary. That that question has an answer on the cross. And the cross is Jesus saying, I am present in human suffering. God is not Zeus. Zeus is not God. The God whom we worship through the eyes and witness of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The God whom we have come to know through Jesus, who knew him as Father. The God who is the Spirit alive in our world has power and position. He does have a throne in heaven. We do know him as Almighty, but those aren't the things that define him most profoundly. What defines him, and it seems to conflict with his power and with his position, is his love. 
This is the thing that defines him. And the thing that, that we are invited to respond to and to think about more than anything. Because this love constantly says, in your pain, I am with you. That's where I am. And I am for you. And if I am for you, who can be against you? If the God of the universe is for us, ready to forgive, ready to love, who can be against us? The challenge with all of this, as I talk about it theoretically and intellectually, is it's only really grasped when we take the posture of a child. And that's the challenge. A lot of our lives, we actually feel like children in a candy store. So here we are in a candy store, and we really, really want some candy. And so our parent is with us, and we say to our parent, can I have some candy? And our parent says, no. And we can feel like that in a thousand ways. It's usually not candy. It's something way more serious. And, and we just sit there frustrated. Now, the problem with the parent analogy is I am a parent. I can quickly get into the mode of parent, and I can give the explanation. But what the Bible says is you have to stop being like a parent and be like a child. If you just think about that for a second, the child will not accept the parent's explanation, yes? You can, as a parent, get down on the child's level and you say, look, it's like this, darling. It has a lot to do with sugar, your teeth, your health, your well-being, your future. It has something to do with my budget and how we're organizing things these days in our family. It has a lot to do with discipline and how I want you to live your life going forward and the character I want to build in you and the aspirations I have for you. And what will the child do? Cry all the louder. I just want the candy. What are you doing to me? What is this nonsense about? And we want to take the parent role. These two disciples on the road, walking home, they weren't acting like children, they were acting like parents. They were trying to sort it out and understand it because it isn't fair and it isn't right and it doesn't make sense. And we had hoped that he would be the redeemer of Israel. And we cannot make sense of these things. And I don't come to Good Friday this morning to be your preacher because I've got it all worked out and I understand it at all, it all and it makes absolute sense. I come this morning because my heart is burning within me. Because I know, I know that this God who made himself present in our world through Jesus, who humbled himself and took the form of a servant and became a human being and was obedient unto death, death on a cross, this God is with us in our suffering. That's the most amazing thing. He's not on the mountain. God is not Zeus, and Zeus is not God. He's not almighty and removed and disinterested. He's powerful, has position, but it's his love that defines him, and I just can't understand that. But I know it, and I know that I know it, and this God who is with us is for us, bringing changes, bringing forgiveness, Making all things new. And oh, there's so much more to talk about on Sunday. You have to come back on Sunday because the story gets better and better and better what God wants to do. And we are asked to be like little children. So let yourself be a little child in a candy store and let God love you. I want you to imagine that you're witnessing that scene in a candy store and there's a mother and she's trying to be patient and there's a child and the child wants candy. And the child is misbehaving as the child who wants candy misbehaves. And then the mother does an astonishing thing. 
Watch it. Watch it happen now. She does not consider her parenthood something to be grasped, something to make advantage for herself, but she collapses herself into the form of a child. And from that humble vantage point, she seeks to serve her child. And the explanations don't work. And the, the best of her intellect doesn't work. But as she is there with her child, she allows herself to experience that childlike, ridiculous pain. And she starts to cry. She starts to weep in the presence of her child. And for just a moment, her child is a bit stunned and not just sure what to do about this. What does this mean? What's going on? And then as that mother kneels there, taking the form of a servant to her child, her tears become more significant and her sobbing grows deeper because she's not just weeping for one middle-class Western child who can't have candy. She's begun to weep for all the dispossessed children of the world. She's begun to weep for refugee children. And she's begun to weep for those whose intellect has been taken away and they are left with disability. And she has begun to weep for those whose health has been taken away and they are left with infirmity. And she's begun to weep for those who don't have enough food to eat and those who don't live in security and those who are orphaned and her tears are immense and her sobbing is profound and her grief is deep. Are you watching it happen? And the child has no idea what is going on. This is you and I facing the cross of Jesus Christ. This is you and I trying to be parents when our heavenly parent has taken the form of our childlikeness and is expressing his love. And as that mother sobs in the candy store, she reaches out and she embraces her child. And that child, not quite understanding what's going on, not quite able to verbalize or articulate, feels something. And the child suddenly hugs back. And that is the moment of burning hearts. That is the moment of reconciliation of human beings with God. That is the moment of something incredible. That is the moment that Cleopas and his partner on the road suddenly experienced of Jesus' incredible love. And you can't get there with adult intellect. You have to be like a child and you have to watch this suffering God, this cross, this, this, this gift of blood that washes the world clean, this, this gift of agony that speaks to our hurt and says we are safe, this gift of a savior. And you don't have to understand it all. You just have to hug back. You just have to return the embrace and something beautiful happens. Did not our hearts burn within us as we walked on the road and as he opened the scriptures to us? This God who is with us, 
This God who is for us. This God who makes all things new. It's Good Friday. Be a child. And let the God of the universe who has entered our grief grip you in his love. And hug him back. Let's pray together. Father, for this cross we say thank you. For all that we do not understand, we say thank you. For the little bits that we have grasped, for what you have opened our eyes to see and our hearts to receive. Oh God, we say thank you 10,000 times for the ways in which you have promised to be present in our suffering and for those fleeting moments when we have experienced your presence. We say thank you. Human suffering will never be the same now that Jesus has entered it and has lived in it and has redeemed humankind through it. For all those moments, gracious God, when we discover that you are for us, you love us, that you who did not spare your own son but gave him up for us all, you will, along with him, graciously give us all things. God, we are a gifted and blessed people, an embraced and loved people, a saved and graciously, graciously loved people. Father, this morning, our hearts burn within us as we recognize all the love that you have poured out on this cross. And we experience your embrace, and in return, we embrace you. Thank you for such love. Thank you for the gift of redemption written on your hands. Lord God, we love you, we honor you, we bless your name, and we worship you on this good Friday. Hallelujah. Amen.